1: From the Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia Poker PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's April 19th, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza,
2: And I'm a jet lag, Scott Long.
0: How can you be jet lagged? You came from nah. Europe over, not the other yeah. way. I know, I know. You should be perfectly fine. But, you know,
2: I always, I I I love when people say, oh, you know, I can't do anything the first day when I travel overseas because I'm jet lagged. I've never really truly experienced jet lag. And so this trip, you know, we flew over to uh, Dublin on the way over before we went on to Italy and other places. And uh, the reason we went to Dublin is to meet a friend who used to own a pub. So he was getting us a private tour at the Guinness Storehouse. And we didn't want to miss that. And it was at 4 o'clock. And we literally made it there right at 4 (laughs) o'clock through (laughs) Customs and bags and cabs and all that stuff, right? And then we wanted to hang out and, um, you know, have some pints with them that night. And they had just flown over that day as well, too. We made it two pints in the night, and we were all, like, crashed on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to bed. We am to bed. And then uh, Laura's like, oh, should we set alarm? I'm like, no. I mean, we're going to bed, like, way earlier than we are. Uh, check out time is eleven a.m. I wake up at ten nineteen. Look at the phone. I mean, and look at the phone. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> time to get up and go. I guess we. Uh, so I guess jet lag does exist for me. I just never experienced it. Well, I'm but, glad yeah, to have you up. back. I'm on a normal time schedule now, so i uh, good to go and ready for a a wonderful uh, one hand of the week show this week.
0: <laughs> and I wonder who that hand of the week is from. <laughs>
2: All right. uh, Doyle Brunson was presented with the first Global Poker Awards Lifetime Achievement Award on the Global Poker Awards live broadcast in April, uh, which also saw Maria Ho honored as Broadcaster of the Year, World Champion John Sin honored for Tournament Performance of the Year, and the World Series of Poker honored as Event of the Year. So with the exception of Maria Ho, which I think was a surprise and apparently a crowd favorite ever because they did the – it was live this year, and it actually looked like an award ceremony. I didn't watch it, but I watched a a little bit of clips and stuff. But – uh, and people went crazy for her, so very happy for her. But the rest of them all seemed, as we have always said,
0: <laughs> to mm-hmm.
2: give same people every year. Well, John Sid didn't win the world tournament <laughs> for the of the year, actually. but the world champion always seems to be the the winner of that. So,
0: and we didn't win anything. That's just, which is par for the course. So, uh, ah,
2: yeah, of course not. Everything stays so, the same. But uh, we'll see how this develops. Now, maybe it'll it'll continue to get bigger and better. Now that they combine both of them together, so. Um, I guess we'll see, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know that this is when things like this happen for Doyle. Now he'll start getting stuff like this, and they'll keep honoring him with other things. And then you know, the old poker players don't die; they just fade away, kind of thing. You know, they just start to honor them when they can, and it's amazing. I, I don't remember him getting any other kind of award like that
2: yet. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it's uh, he's going to be doing the chicken dinner circuit here for poker. Yeah. Players. For a while now, yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing I thought about when, when I was typing that um, is, I don't I don't care where you get the lifetime achievement award for. That's got to be the best award ever, isn't it? Oh sure, because anybody can do one great thing at some point and you know get an honor or a medal or a pin or whatever, and and that's fantastic. But when you're talking about a lifetime achievement, that means that you consistently day in and day out for decades. Uh, made whatever that endeavor is that you've been honored in better. Um, and that takes some dedication. I, I, You know, again, there's all kinds of lifetime achievement awards. You could be for your charity event, your school, your, your occupation, you know, whatever, right? But I, I'd be curious worldwide what percentage of people, when they're digging the hole for them and dropping them in there, have earned a lifetime achievement award.
0: Well, I, probably pretty small, right? I, I think the uh, the Academy Award Lifetime Achievement Award is one of those do overs, though. I don't know if it's necessarily as as revered as you're making it sound for all things, but you know, when you win the Academy Award for a Lifetime Achievement, it's almost always because you didn't win anything. Uh, like you're spoke the whole whole way, you know, the whole career you kept losing or whatever. Yeah, and... but
2: that doesn't mean that you didn't have a good <laughs> career. No, right? I know, I know, but or a long career. So. <laughs> It had 20 movies that were all fantastic. They
0: just were the second best every year. (laughs) The runner-up award is what they should call it. Yeah. But not for Doyle. Doyle deserves this. Yes.
2: All right, uh, James Holzauer, a professional sports better who used to run a poker strategy website, set a single-day record on Jeopardy with $110,914 using skills he honed in poker and sports wagering to aggressively bet big on daily doubles and the final Jeopardy question – in fact, he didn't bet as aggressively as he could have on the final question, instead betting an amount that would give him a final total that matches his daughter's birthday in November 9th, 2014, and this is where I realize how incredibly in- unintelligent I am.
0: I know, I was thinking the same thing, I'm like, no. Oh. I mean, not only did the
2: guy like just destroy the record and all that, but he actually thought in that moment at the end... How much do I need to bet to so to match my daughter's birthday? That uh, I'd just beyond me, right? It's insane. Rain Man
0: stuff. It's insane. Of course, if it. It uh, you have to be really smart, not just from a number standpoint and aggressive, you know, a strategy standpoint, but you have to know the answers to these things when you're betting on yeah. these deb- daily doubles and final Jeopardy. And yeah. this guy's a well-rounded human being, I have to say.
2: Well, and, and one of the interesting things, I, I think, in the in the article I read, I read a couple actually, um, and he's not the first one to, to kind of use this strategy. There's another poker player that did the same thing, is that you go into this, this game assuming you're going to know the answers because um, you're just that smart or that well-read or whatever. Uh, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's a, it's a mental kind of situation where you're just able to, like, absorb way more than normal people like us, right? Right but if they, again you're talking about the odds and the odds are 90 some percent that you're going to know the answer to the question so why not bet everything you have you know you're losing uh, uh value um as we would say in a a hand when you're betting less than you can get out of a hand uh by not betting as much as you can in the daily double or the final question at that point if if the odds are overwhelmingly in favor of you the fact that you're going to know the answer to the question, and they said and according to the Daily Doubles, and actually the Final Jeopardy for the same reason, you have extra time too, right? So it's yeah. not like you've got to buzz in, so that extra 10 seconds or whatever it is actually makes a huge difference in this game. And so even if you can't recall it immediately, you've got 10 seconds or so to be able to recall it, which makes it even more likely you're going to get it right. So, just the whole 18th level ahead of me kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: i think the other i think the other poker player thinking of was alex jacob right i think he was the one that destroyed that game and uh it was crazy every once in a while a poker player will show up on these game shows you know survivor not included i don't i don't consider that the same thing but uh yeah and they and they always do well because that's their thing they they understand risk they understand management and they understand money and uh and then optimal game theory and this this that that but that final bet that that's the thing you could you could tally up a bunch of numbers and we'll be like oh that's that's great he made a bunch of money on Jeopardy. but to say all right I know I'm gonna win this thing I know I need to bet an amount that's significant let's see what ooh, I know my daughter was born November ninth twenty fourteen let me oh man to just come up with that throughout the uh oh, that's unbelievable. unbelievable well he also
2: put himself at risk of losing, losing too yeah because he had enough where he could have bet um last, I mean guaranteed winning, which would be, I would think normally you would think would be the optimal strategy, right? You don't want to like you take this take the sure thing. But then you think about that, you know, when you first start playing blackjack, and you you'll understand this when you first start playing blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when the dealer asks you if you want to take, you know, you get a um a blackjack and then they peek afterwards, uh, the dealer and they offer you insurance ahead of time, and you're like, "Oh, why do I need insurance now?" Like, well, you get even money now, but if I have a blackjack, then you lose, um, or we push. I mean, um, then everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, great! I'll take the the money I can get," and that's optimally terrible as well, too. So, I mean, I guess this it's turning everything kind of on your head too when you haven't thought about it enough that um, that you shouldn't go for the guaranteed thing on here if if the odds are strongly in your favor that you're going to be able to get make more money out of it by risking <clears> losing.
0: See, that's why education pays off i mean that's why everyone immediately becomes a better poker player when they read super system i mean it's because you, there are things you didn't think of that other smarter human beings thought of before you and they put it out there for you and there's a lot of people who don't do that they don't read the books they just naturally have a you know an ability or whatever but um you know that's what this is about it's about understanding the edges and understanding when you should and when you shouldn't push things and these people have it down to a science, and they're really good at it, and that's that's what makes them better than us, you know.
2: Yeah, and the world belongs to the aggressive people. I mean, in no business, and poker, and politics, and everything. So you got to find a way to become aggressive, and and the best way to become aggressive is confidence. And that's yeah. really what this was right. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. No one ever said he passively became the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't happen that way. <laughs>
2: well, unless you're the son of the, the owner, but, you know.
0: That's true. That's true.
2: <laughs> uh rumors of a possible season's entertainment, which recently upheated the past week with reports at Fomberato Resorts, which has been on a casino buying spree late, and Tillman for Titta, owner of Stations Casino, uh, casinos are the latest to kick the tires of the owner of the World Series of Poker. Uh, Caesar spokesman, uh, woman actually has confirmed that this year's uh, WSOP will play out of the Rio, though because of course, when these rumors start, people start freaking out and thinking, "Oh my God, the World Series is going to move here in the next month." It literally starts in a month, Chris.
0: <laughs> people, I you know what's funny is uh, we on on our Up fans uh, page on Facebook, so, uh, our intrepid reporter Joe Guterga, uh he puts it up there all the time uh news and stuff for us and he put this story up and i just put a laugh like i laughed and one of our uh listeners was like hey what does that mean why are you laughing and i'm like well because every single summer they say that the Rio is up for sale and that caesars is up for sale and they're gonna move the they're gonna move the world series from rio to caesars and it's every single year since we've been in publication i mean it's it's absolutely hilarious and it's 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 just unbelievable that this continues to happen. Now, this might have a little more, you know, uh, I don't know, traction or whatever, but it just seems like every single year this rumor comes up, and it's just, it never happens. Why does this keep coming up?
2: Well, it keeps coming up to the point that I don't put it on the show, obviously, the vast majority of times it comes up, because it is kind of a joke in a lot of ways, so... Uh but this one just because of the reaction is so close to World Series that I, I thought we needed to talk about it and reassure everybody, <laughs> you know, you know, if you if you booked your hotel room with a Rio, you're good. You're gonna be able to walk down to the tournament. Yeah. I you. So it'll help if they actually figure this out. I mean, you know, one way or the other, whether Caesars decides that it's not for sale uh and decides that it's holding on to the Rio or decide hey we are for sale or the rios for sale and and just finish it cuz it's annoying the the for it, it's literally been probably 5 years these recent, these um rumors have been been oh, out yeah. there right oh yeah now. at so, least yeah um so uh it, you know it'll be it's one of those things I'll believe it when I see it so but um for now don't worry the world series will be at the rio this year now we can't say where it'll be next year But we can probably say that even if it is at the Rio next year, that there will be three months of rumors that it won't be
0: (laughs) next month, next year. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Any updates? Anyup is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the Texas Poker Championship, a series of three more tournaments uh, in four Texas poker clubs in May, August, and December to help fund the Social Card Clubs of Texas organization. Each series features day ones at Texas Card House in Austin, Post Oak Poker Club in Houston and SA Card House in San Antonio with the final held at one of uh, the three clubs. The next series is may seventeenth to twenty sixth. For more details, visit social card clubs of Texas dot org. Uh get anti up merchandise at Tpublic.com slash stores slash anti dash up to check out t shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts Phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of AnyUp Magazine, AnyUp PokerCast, or AnyUp Poker Tour logos. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast@anyupmagazine.com, at and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call to Four, at the Floor and Hand of the Week, we'll send them something cool. It comes from Adam Borgoin, Borgoin, Bergen. <laughs> I don't know. It's been what twelve years been doing this show. I've been saying his name wrong for twelve years, and keep doing it. Uh, recently, after a dramatic self-realization on what I thought I needed to do to be a better poker player, I went back to uh, my normal buy-ins of one, two, two hundred dollars $200 uh, and uh, have had a lot more success than when I was buying in light. I realize the sample size is small, but I have been much more comfortable, have been doing a better job arranging people, and making better overall decisions, including punishing limpers and going after dead money. I've also done a better job at picking my targets and the people I immediately identify as better than me, so I know to avoid them in specific spots. My last three sessions in particular have been amazing. Given that I realize this is the short term, and I'm sure a losing session is headed my way eventually, what are some things you guys do to stay realistic when it seems you have hit a streak? I make sure to check in with, my, uh, with myself before entering the poker room, and every dealer rotation to make sure I'm not on tilt. My mindset is in good space and that I am okay with the decisions I made during the previous deal. These tricks have helped me immensely and keep me in check with my own psyche. Well, Adam, I'll let you know when my streak ends. It hasn't happened yet. So, uh, (laughs) of course, I'm talking about losing, not winning.
2: Um, No, what I told him was uh, just keep – the best thing you can do is just keep doing what you're doing and not change anything, right? Right. Things are working for you. Stay with that, I think what happens is people get too excited too quickly um and by too quickly, I mean with a too small of a sample, and then they either start loosening up a little bit and thinking they're invincible and start playing bad hands out of position because they think they could outplay people um or various things in that realm or they move up in levels before they're really ready, and then they get their ass kicked up there. Um, so as long as you're doing what you have been doing that's the best thing I'm like just think about everything you're doing and, and keep playing the same way now when you talk about going up in levels I'm not suggesting that you never move up in levels but you know once you, you just feel like you're it's not a hot streak anymore but you are you're on a different plane of playing level now now that's when you move up but um, you know I'll give Adam credit he knows that it's uh, it's short term right now so you know if it short term turns into long term then that's great. Now you now you can start playing the two five game there instead of the one two. Um, but other than that, just keep playing the same thing. Don't loosen up. Don't feel like you're invincible. Um, you know, just ride the rush as it is and, and keep doing what you're doing to make that rush happen.
0: Uh, here's the key word: comfortable. The minute he said that, it makes his mind at ease, and he's more easily uh, able to focus on what he needs to do to be successful. The minute he said, "I went back to my normal buy-ins." for the 1-2 game with $200 yeah. and and I was much more comfortable then he was able to put people on hands and stuff because he wasn't stressed about anything I don't know what it was that made him stressed out too much money on the table, whatever it was but the minute he said, oh, I feel so much com- more comfortable that's what makes him be able to play optimally and that's what you need to do and it, it, don't think about moving up or whatever, just go and the whole point of playing poker for us and I include Adam in this, is to enjoy ourselves, have fun Test our skill limit and 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 walk away a winner. You know, I mean, I, if you could do all those things, why put the extra stress on yourself? Are you really, are you really going to change your life if you new, move to two five, or if you buy in for three hundred or five hundred if they allow it? I mean, are, is that really going to make you feel better? I mean, I just don't see that. You'd rather just win and come away with knowing you were had a great time, your night was entertainment, and you walked away a winner on top of it. Yes, be comfortable. Don't be stressed. Stress is not good for anyone. Correct. Yeah, that was really cool. That uh, and of course, I don't know. We got this email a little while ago, so I don't know if he's had any more sessions since then. But have him keep us up to date. We have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes.
1: Welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we've talked one of our weaker home games into playing PLO 8. They've grasped the concept of PLO, but haven't quite felt comfortable taking the next step, until tonight. The game is six-handed, and we are one of two players who have somewhat of a grasp on this game. We play quarter fifty cents. The blinds posed, the under the gun calls, the plus one calls. It's folded to the small blind who calls, and we're in the big blind with $200 and the ace of spades, king of hearts, four of spades, tray of clubs. We make it $2 to go. The under the gun and plus one call, but the small blind folds. The under the gun is a calling station who plays way too many hands, although he isn't very aggressive with them. He will not let go of many hands at all. He starts this hand with $100. The plus one somewhat mirrors the end of the gun, however, he can get a little aggressive if he feels it's appropriate. He has 125. The pot is 650 and the flop is intriguing. The ace of diamonds, king of clubs, deuce of spades comes down. Since we're first to act, I feel like we're in really good shape here. We have top two, a backdoor nut flush draw, and a nut low draw to the wheel. We bet pot. Both players call quickly. The pot is now at 19.50 and the turn makes it even more juicy. The ten of spades comes. We just added the nut flush draw to go along with our top two and nut low draw. We lead out for pot. Both players again call quickly. There's 58.50 in the pot and the river is the four of hearts. So we've got top two pair and action stands on us. With two calling stations to act behind us, are we giving up here? Are we going to try to blow them off the hand? Or are we value betting the best hand? What's the move?
2: All right, sign with the AdvancedPokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at AndyUpMagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And uh, we haven't heard from him in a whole week, but Big G's back in the <laughs> uh, All right, he says... Uh, uh, I was playing in a one two no limit uh hold game in my local Florida card room uh we're nine handed I have no experience playing with most the players at the table, specifically two villains in this hand, and I think this is interesting because Vic is there like all the time,
0: right yeah <laughs> um uh
2: the only read I have on the on villain one is he doesn't seem to, to like to play post flop so he over bets or jams with his good hands uh on the flop and slow plays his monsters. We have just under 400 hours. Start the hand and have the table covered. We're under the gun and look down at Queen of Hearts, Jack of Hearts. Uh,
0: well, he's he's crafty and whatever. But if you're if you're listening to this show and you're consider yourself a beginner, then you know this is this is a folding hand. I, I know it's suited connectors that are in the Broadway straight realm, but. I mean, seriously, if you're playing a full table of, of, of poker players that halfway know what they're doing and you show up with Queen-Jack you know, suited, you, you might get pounced. So you really have to know what you're doing to play these types of hands if you're a beginner. You need to you know, consider folding it. Um, but for that matter, when I enter a pod, I don't like to limp unless there's other limpers behind me and I'm speculating. This type of hand, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm hoping that. I mean, I'm going to be out of position this whole hand unless the blinds are the only ones that come along. Um, so I'm going to want to raise here and try to at least have to only deal with one person out of position. So, I mean, I'm going to raise whatever the standard raise would be if I'm going to play this hand. But generally, if you're a beginner and you're not experienced with dealing with how other people play back at you when you're out of position and whatever, and you don't even have really premium cards, then I would I would probably fold this hand.
2: When you're you have to Remember, your opponents don't know the cards you have, so when you're under the gun raising that's a big sign you're sending folks so this gives you a little bit of an insurance policy rather than playing say something crappy like seven deuce under the gun right just to try to to scare people now you've got a hand that that can flop a lot of different ways um so you can represent um, a lot of hands if you don't hit and then obviously if you hit hearts or broadway cards now you now you have a hand that you can continue to play so uh, I would not suggest you play it all the time, like you said, for all those reasons. But if you are looking for a way to start getting away from ABC, this is a hand that I would play. So yeah, I would say standardly I'm folding here. Otherwise, I don't, I don't mind a raise here if you're looking to mix it up a little bit, or if you've got to that level now where you are able to play hands like this.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it, it's obviously you and I look down at this hand, we're playing it. But I mean, if you if you're fairly new. Yeah, and you and you you don't want to get into the craziness of trying to, I'll, you know, I'll play people and stuff. Then you probably let this hand go. But yeah, I'm going to raise with it. What are you going to
2: do? Uh, yeah, I, I like to raise with this. This is again, this is how I like to mix up my game a little bit. Um, but again, I, I feel pretty confident that I I'm going to be able to play this pretty strongly and get away from it if if the hand gets out of control. You know, I'm not going to hopefully lose my stack on a hand like this here, but I am willing to put a raise in here and to mix it up a little bit. And just in case people think I'm too tight, um, or if I get called a show down, then it gives a little advertising that, you know, your range is wider than you think it is. And, uh, or your opponents think it is. And when your, your range is wider than your opponents think, um, that makes it, makes it harder for them to play against you. Right. Because they don't know exactly what you have anywhere. Um, so, I'm going to go raise here. Uh, Vic says the standard raise have been in the 12 to $15 range, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to obviously make the standard raise. That's what I always do, so my strength of my hand is hidden. All right. All right, uh, Vic says this is a nice drawing hand. I like to see a flop, so we check, check. How
0: can you check? <laughs> maybe. Call, I guess. Maybe All limps, right. yeah.
2: He says we pick up three limpers, uh, including the the button. Uh, small blind completes, but the big blind raises to 15. Uh, now he says, uh, this has been a timid table with a few, with few pre-flop raises and no three bets that I can recall. Uh, so it's back on us for a, another 13 bucks.
0: Well, it's interesting that, you know, now we could be isolated with someone and be in position, which in is position. odd but i don't think we should 3 bet because somebody who's in a blind like that making that kind of a raise might just want to have to reopen the betting again and then shove on you and you've lost your money for nothing so i think i'm just going to call and hope that it's too much for the others to call and then maybe we'll have position uh, i i thought about 3 betting i just feel like you're taking way too much of a risk generally someone in the blind like that is making a bet like that you know they're not going to fold to a 3 bet uh, and they're not going to just call, I don't think. They, a lot of times you're taking the chance there of them just reopening the betting and you're wasting money. So I'll probably just call, but it's intriguing to think about raising again.
2: No, I think you're right to um, to consider that raise there. I'm not saying we should, but it, it's a really good spot now because of what you said. And one, now we can get a heads up, and now our queen jack becomes a lot stronger heads up, right? Um, and uh, so, and then also it makes it look like now that whole – Limp re-raise under the gun is always a scary thing now. Yeah. If people have played with Vic, he knows he's probably too good of a player to to do that cuz usually only bad players do the limp re-raise under the gun. Uh trick as I call it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's move as a trick, right? Yeah. yeah. Um but that you you're right. If you raise here, you're probably going to clear the rest of the field. Um now if if our opponent is sitting on aces or kings, um now that's a problem cuz now you're going to get re-raised um which I think is the reason you decide not to do it. And that's fine. Um, but you know, the other part of it too is, I mean, the button could be on a steal here at this point. I mean, he's got four limpers, five now kind of a small blind, Well, it dead money out there. Um, now what's interesting is he only raised it to what, what Vic said was the standard raise rather than accounting for all those. I mean, if he would have put another 10 on top and made a 25, then he had a, probably a pretty good chance of stealing this. If, if that's what his goal was, Yeah. Uh, but uh, since he only raised a little bit, um, I think I might actually consider raising here. I think I like that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, now we've got suited connectors. We didn't, we didn't raise when we should have raised. Um, so now now the dynamics of the hand have changed. So now we can get away with a call uh, with a hand that, that can flop big and stack somebody with aces and kings, which is great. So I could argue it uh, two different ways. So I guess it just depends on what you're most comfortable with. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Vic says, um, we call the extra $13, uh, expecting not to see a three bet. A middle position player on the button call, so we're four handed to the flop. Uh, 57 in the pot after the rake is accounted for, we see a flop of nine of hearts, eight of clubs, tray of hearts, and the big blind bets 50, leaving himself uh, just a little bit more than 100 behind. And it's on us, and if it makes a decision, he says the middle position player sits with uh, just over 250, and our stack looks to cover the button.
0: This is really tough. Uh, The reason is that if you raise, it's getting all in, and you've done it on a draw. You have two overs, but that doesn't mean anything, because that doesn't mean a queen or a jack might not be good anyway.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can count those out. Yeah,
0: flushes and gutters, but even then, it's not nut flush. You know, the gutter would help for a straight, but... Um, that's a four outer there. So I mean, yeah, okay. So you can hit your flush, but it might not be the best flush. Okay, you could hit your pair, but it might not be the best pair. So really, you're hoping for a ten, which is a four outer. Um, I don't know if I want to shove here. Uh, and if I just call, that's fishy because might as well put your hand straight up here and just say, hey, look, I'm going for the flush, or hey, look, I'm going for the straight. Um, because who calls here? What hand calls there? A nine? you're beat anyway. So I don't know, it's a tough situation. Uh, I think I'd rather call and have it look like my hand is face up and you know and then represent whatever comes or not that but if the flush comes then you just you bet it cuz it's obvious. Um but again, you still might not have the best hand. This is why I don't play these cards. You know, you might not have the best hand. You might have you might be up against ace king of hearts. You don't know. You know, that's why the guy raised and now he's betting it because he's betting his flush draw. It just could happen. So I think I'll probably just call knowing that if I don't hit on the next street, the rest of it's getting in and I'm going to miss my opportunity. So I'm going to call once and hope I hit. If I re-raise, then it's probably getting all in and I'm putting it all in on a draw. and I don't like doing that anymore.
2: Yeah, there's lots of reasons I wouldn't raise here and I, I would also disagree a little bit about turning your hand face up. The reason I like calling here is this is the classic push and pull kind of situation. Do you want to uh, pull people in the hand or push them out? And here we got what, three people after us? Maybe two two or three people after us? Four, uh, you said
0: it's four handed so it's only two left.
2: Okay, so I would like to pick up that extra hundred from those folks um, with a pretty powerful drawing hand here. Um, now, the danger, of course, with that is kind of what you mentioned is if we're sitting with somebody else with two hearts, um, including the king or the ace, then we don't want to hit the heart. Um, obviously, our, our 10 is our, our money card here. But um, I, I would rather keep people in this hand than push them out. And on top of that, as you mentioned, if you raise now, now, you know, we could get re-raised. And now, now we're throwing a lot of money into this pot. Of course, it's only just – You know, I might stay in this hand for 150, which is the max that we're going to get out of the big blind, right? So I'm not too worried about that. Um, I don't know. I kind of like where we are with this with with multiple actions, so I'm going to call. I could be wrong with that. I could be setting myself up for failure. But uh, I kind of want to pull some people in this pot, so I'm going to call.
0: Okay, let's call.
2: All right, uh, Vic says this is a very nice flopper hand. We have a flush draw and a straight draw. Uh, can a case be made for jamming over the top? A lot of one-two players like to jam when they flop a four-flush and face the c-bet. I'm not one of those players, so we opt to call the $50. In hindsight, perhaps calling is the wrong play. If it gets called around and we miss the turn, are we folding if the big blind jams? If we're not, maybe jamming is the correct play here. As Chris painstakingly tried to explain to Scott in a previous episode, we're seeing two cards for the same price. (laughs) So jamming may be a better play here, too. Uh, Anyway, we just call and watch as the other two players made the call as well. All right, well, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, that's what you are hoping
0: for. That's ideal right there. Yeah, that's ideal. All
2: right, with 257 in the pot, uh, the turn is the four of diamonds. So our board now is nine of hearts, eight of clubs, tray of hearts, four of diamonds, and as expected, the Big Blind Jams for his remaining stack, it's 114 for us to call.
0: So 114 to win basically 380 or 370 uh, with one card to come. And we still don't even know if our hearts are good.
2: Well, here's know. what I would argue on this. if um, It depends on how loose these other players are. So... I, I'm going to take hearts out of the big blinds range here. So if it's just us heads up, now I think those hearts all become outs for us in addition to the tens. Um, if he's playing a, I, you know, I can't imagine he's playing pocket sevens week. Um, he could be playing pocket tens this way, though. If that's the case, then our queen or jack are good as well, too. But I wouldn't want to count on those. Um, the danger here is if we call the 114 thinking our hearts are good against. Him, and then the actual hearts call behind us uh now we're really stuck now we're down to a four outer for that so that that's to me that's a decision now is what, what what do we think these other folks are just calling with as well um and if 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 we believe one of them has um two hearts with an ace or a king, now it gets difficult for us
0: yeah yeah it, it, it's uh, i mean it's almost the right. It's not really the right amount of odds I think to call with just one card to come. But if you think implied not implied odds because it's more streets, but implied that the guys behind you are gonna are gonna call maybe and that your hand is gonna be good if it hits, then it's probably worth a call. But I I don't like this spot at all. I think I'm gonna fold. I I, I just don't like this spot. One card to come, you have to hit a heart hope it's good or you have to hit a ten. That's just—it's too many. I mean,
2: really, yeah, the only guaranteed cards are a ten.
0: I mean, right, so that's only four guaranteed. cards. So you don't even know if the other cards are good for you. So I'm probably letting it go, and I'm not going to give half outs to like a queen and a jack, like they do in the theory of poker or one of those books. Yeah. You know, I just don't—I don't see don't that's enough to put it over the edge for me. So I probably would fold here.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to try to get a good read on the players behind me now. I mean, I'm not too worried about the guy that jammed. Um... Um, if I, if I get a read that they, they are interested in calling here, then I, I got to get out, I think. But if they all are doing the, uh, picking their cards up, waiting for us to make a decision so they can fold kind of trick thing, <laughs> which you see a lot of women do, then at that point I'll probably call. But if I have any, any inkling at all that I think somebody's calling behind us, uh, I think we're dead to, dead to a 10 and yeah. I'm not put 114 in with one card to come to hit one of four cards. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, Vic says, well, we have a lot of outs. Uh, this is just under a half pot bet. I don't expect the big blinds betting any type of a draws. Uh, so since he re-raised, or since he raised pre-flop, I put him squarely in an overpair. Like me, my other two opponents just called, uh, getting better pot odds than me. So they may also have a flush draw or possibly a set, which takes away more of my outs. Maybe they got frisky with two pair or an open-ended straight draw. Hard to say. After thinking it over for a bit, we decided to make the call knowing that it only makes sense if we pick up at least one caller and can possibly get more out of them if we hit our hand. Okay, looking back, maybe that's optimistic thinking. Uh, we watched the middle position player fold, but after a little consideration, the button jams. the dealer counted out and calling the extra 203 would leave us with just $2. $2? $2.
0: <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that too. I didn't know what the stack sizes were behind us. You know, now you're also risking more than not just what the, the big blind had, but what, what the people behind you have, and now you're risking your whole stack for this, and it's just a terrible, terrible situation you put yourself in by even playing this hand. So, I don't know. Now, now you're going to call it all off now, because can you even afford to fold now? I don't think you can.
2: Well, no, here's the thing. Well, one last thing you said before me. He uh, said this would also close out the betting, and produce a $400 side pot with a $600 main pot. Um, what I'll say now is I don't think two hearts with the ace or king here makes this jam I don't think because I think they're going to want to try to get more out of us when they hit their hand right I think so at this point now I I, I think he's right Our, our big blind that's been pushing the action is on an overpair certainly not on hearts and now I think we can eliminate hearts for the button as well too so now we've picked up in my opinion we picked up the heart outs in addition to our tens
0: so not if it's a set you've lost outs though I mean, I mean, yeah, you 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 kept the hard outs if you think no one's on the hearts, but you've lost outs to the full house, so you've lost the eight and you've lost the four to outs. You've lost the overs to outs. Yeah, that's true. Right. But I mean, yeah, you you pick up the hearts in the sense that the hearts are legitimate outs now if you believe that guy is not jamming with ace king. Of course, he could be. He want, might want to isolate this one guy and get you out. You, you know, he might not who he might not be sure who has the hand. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's speculation, obviously, but. Yeah, you do pick up the hearts if you're positive he's not with Ace King or Ace of Hearts, King Hearts or something.
2: Yeah, you're probably right, but I think we're all looking at each other the same way here. I'd be surprised if you put
0: three decent players in these
2: spots, the button, the big blind, and where Vic is, and we don't all have a, a good sense of what each person has here.
0: It confuses me that the guy would have a set, though. Why would he have not raised earlier? Especially when he knows that guy's got the over and he couldn't have overs and couldn't have folded to your shoves, so he would have
2: called. You're very a two pair, right? A two yeah. Pair, I mean, yeah. even a two pair though might have. I mean, I don't know what the two pair would be. have to be. It'd have to be nine eight, right? Nine eight.
0: Yeah. He's not playing three four. So really, what, 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 what? Why would this guy not have shoved on the turn or re-raised on the turn when he knows the initial better couldn't go anywhere with an over pair and would probably call, and then he would take all his money with his set. Why would he leave us in the hand and possibly the other guy who just yeah. now folded?
2: Yeah, you're right. Doesn't make much sense. Does yeah, it?
0: no. It feels like we're doomed, but somehow Vic will pull it off because he wins every hand of the week.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we're doomed. I just, it's, I, I don't know exactly what our outs are here, but, but like I said, we picked up more now. I think I, I do think our hearts are good, with the exception of the hearts that you mentioned, and definitely the ten remains good for us. So, um, at this point. I, I think now I got a call here, and this is probably going to be a lesson in why we don't play Queen Jack suited under the gun, as we mentioned at the beginning. But because yeah. you just get sucked into it. So, all right. Um, Vic says uh, this is the biggest pot by far at this table in the several hours we've been here. So many chips up for grabs uh, with the button jam. I can't put them on a flush draw. Suspect that my outs are live. Um, uh, I think that we're getting the right price to call here, but it's close. Our nine flush outs and three straight outs for a total of 12 outs once is only around 28%, and who knows if all those outs are live. After a little thinking it over, we make the call.
0: And we've already determined that the, the hearts aren't all hearts, right? All nine hearts can't be good for him. If if somebody, one of those guys that has to have a set, you would think, unless he's doing it in hindsight and knows what the guy had now, afterward, and gave himself those nine outs, but at the time, we're trying to put the guy on a hand. If you put him on two pair... That's fine, but the eight of hearts is still not a winner for you if it's two pair, and if it's a set, then the eight and the four of hearts are not winners for you. So I don't think it's nine full heart outs. Um,
2: yeah. So yeah. let's say seven. Let's say seven. seven. Yeah. Um, and you said three straight outs is the re- Oh, the other ten would be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah, we're looking at ten outs then that that we yeah ten
0: outs once. That's a tough call, but I mean, there's so much money in the middle. It, it's almost worth just saying, hey, you know, for this extra amount. You know, I'm gonna walk away a ton or I'm gonna walk away a loser for now, which it's a cash game and they generally gonna beat it every time anyway, so you're probably gonna take that risk anyway. This is one of those if it's close enough, you're probably gonna make the call. I would have folded probably before it got to that point though. So
2: Well here, here's another interesting thing, right? So if we go back and we think that our opponent is playing this way with the hearts, right? So now our heart outs are out. But that opens up our Queen Jack of hearts for the I mean outs for the side pot, which is now pretty decent. All right, it's uh, we'd be happy. Yeah,
0: I can't do it with six outs. Was it three and three, six?
2: And well, no, uh, but I mean that's the thing is you're adding up different outs, so it just depends on the the range of hands. But you you have more outs than you think, depending on. I mean, we don't know what he has right now, but if he has hearts, then we pick up Queen Jack our outs. If he doesn't have hearts, then we pick up the heart outs. So yeah. The fact that the small blind uh, there's a side pot here makes it a little bit more interesting as well, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so let's see. If you lost the flush outs, then you'd have three tens for a straight. You'd have three queens and well, three tens at that point. Four, that no, because the heart would be a flush.
2: Yeah, but we don't think anybody's on a flush at that point.
0: Well, that's what we were saying. If they are well, on a flush, that's I how you pick up the you. queen and jack. You don't pick up the queen and jack unless it's a flush draw for that right, guy. Right, right, right. So yeah, right. so you you have three and six. So you have basically nine outs. If if with for the side pot, if the guy's on the same, probably
2: have you. nine to ten outs regardless.
0: Yeah, They're something like that. Has, yeah, for the side pot. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. It's an interesting uh, play. I, I think I if I got to this point where Vic is now, I probably would call because of of how much money's in the middle, and now there's that side pot where I'm only beating one guy there, and one guy over there. You know what I mean? The kind of thing. So, I would have folded probably after the initial bet though. So, but if I if I actually am in Vic's spot, then I'm probably calling because it's so close. And you have a chance of recouping a lot of that money from the other guy if he's on somehow on Ace King of Hearts there or something like that Ace Ten of Hearts or Ace Nine of Hearts whatever that's the other thing if he has Ace Ten of Hearts he's one of your you're out too because the Ten doesn't matter so okay so yeah I, I guess I'm calling if I'm Vic now in this spot.
2: All right, so I am, too, and so is Vic. He says, after a little time thinking it over, we make the call. The dealer squares the pots and completes a board of nine of hearts, eight of clubs, tray of hearts, four of diamonds, seven of diamonds, a swing and a miss. Ugh. The old asks to see the <laughs> button's hand for the side pot, and he sheepishly tables the six of hearts, four of hearts.
0: Oh, wow. her
2: pair of fours good enough to win the $400 side pot. Oh, wow. So we slide our cards into the muck. It turns out that he had two of our flush outs, the big blind or pre-flop raiser our tables, jack of spades, jack of diamonds. Yeah. Uh, yep, we could have hit any of the remaining seven hearts to three tens or the three queens to scoop this one. Looking back over the hand, even if we raised all in on the flop, we would have still gotten called by the big blind and lost the hand, though lost less. We waited until the turn to raise all in. We might have gotten a button to fold, but still lost the big blind. I think one of these would be a better option had we uh, still been determined to play the hand. Of course, we could have listened to either Scott or Chris or both and folded a hand <laughs> once the big
0: five days pre Uh We have a lot of fun with Vic. Uh, it's because he's so much better than we are. We tend to make fun of our idols, so so it goes. <laughs> All right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Lark. We'll see you at a table.
1: AntiUp is a production of Antiof magazine.com contact the show at podcast at antiappmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.